Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the Network Show. I'm Alex, and joining me as always from the other side of the country, looking nice. I was worried, folks. He sent me a picture of a cat. I was worried he had another cat. He's got too many cats. Spread. How many cats are you up to at this point? I'm trying to keep track. I want to make sure. I only have two. I have Dasha and Panko. It's just my girlfriend uh, breeds them and gets rid of them with the nice, nicer breeds. That's why I'm always throwing you guys different kitten picks before they uh, go off to their new happy homes. <laughs> That's what it is, John. He's trying to sell his cats. That's good. I, you know, I get worried about Spread. He's an older guy. Got to make sure when someone's checking in on him, right? Definitely. I'm a dog guy anyway, so, I mean, there you go. <laughs> he bets the dogs. He pets the dogs. Let's go. Now that we've covered something we talk about quite a bit, we're going to do a little <laughs> surprise for you today. A lot of times we split up the men's and the women's, but we have a combined event, as John would refer to it as, in Canada. You might know it as the Canadian Masters, the Rogers Cup. I think it's now the Citibank Open or something. National, National Bank, yeah. We don't have yeah, Citibank. That's an American thing. Moments. What are you going to do? The women are in Montreal. The men are in Toronto. Should be quite a bit of fun. We'll start with the men's draw this time. Medvedev is our number one seed here. and was a pretty competitive quarter, John. I have Medvedev making it through, but how confident should I feel about that? Um, I'm not all that certain. I think we can discount the whole Medvedev doesn't like slower courts narrative now. Uh, after he's shown this year, he was, he was a player who kind of liked them quicker and was elite on quicker courts. Now he's shown he's just going to win everywhere. Kind of like the top tier of tennis players are want to do, but this is still a tough quarter. I mean, Hubert Hercotch can, if he's in form on his week can really upset anyone. Yannick Sinner, obviously in great form. I think the, the best part for Medvedev here is that Sinner has made a deep run in Washington, but the caveat to that is, I mean, he's going to have a bye in the first round, so he won't play until Wednesday or Thursday at the earliest anyway. So this is kind of the week, if you're a seed at the at the National Bank Open, this is kind of the week to go on a, a, a long run the week prior, right? Because um, you're going to have that bye. So I don't know how much that that long week really helped Medvedev, but outside of Yannick Sinner and his potentially second match, I'm not sure uh, who really bothers him that much here. I mean, Alex Deminauer not in form right now at all. Um, of course, Jensen Brooksby, the GOAT, could potentially just make another run who knows yeah that's this brooksby guy people like him quite a bit yeah, it's i think you're right medvedev is someone that maybe people are almost underrating oddly enough a little bit at this point given how much complaining he's doing and all that stuff but we're back on hard courts that where he does his best center would be a great match but hopefully he's not too fatigued and, and everyone else seems a little bit kind of overmatched uh, what do you think here spread yeah, I think it's tougher than usual for Medvedev or for a number one seed, only because in the quarter I see three guys that could potentially uh, take him out. That's Hubie, uh, Brooksby, and Sinner. I think Brooksby would be controversial for me to say that. A lot of people think that because, or I should say a lot, but one notable person thinks that because he lost yesterday and erases all the good things that he did this season. I disagree. I think that he's quite <laughs> talented, and the way that he's been playing um, – you know, I believe that he's got a chance, too. So normally, a lot of times when we look at this quarter, we say, oh, there's only maybe one guy that could beat him. With three potential upset victims there, um, you know, I don't like Medvedev at the price being offered. Um, but, of course, he's still the rightful favorite. But it's not it's not a cakewalk or a walkthrough uh, like we get sometimes with these men's draws. I guess the only other name that stuck out to me that we haven't mentioned so far, Nisha corey has been playing some pretty nice tennis. Curious mm -hmm. to see what he can do. But, you know, again, I'm not sure he's in the form physically where you can play a long week last week, come here. And, and I hate the matchup too, right? I mean, isn't Med just, it just crushes that matchup. I just, I think it's a tough matchup for, for Kai. Yeah. Yeah, and also, I, 
I mean, there's no buy for him because he's not in as a seed. And to be honest, his last two matches have not been overly impressive. I was stunned he he lost to Mackie McDonald um, mm-hmm. the way he did. Uh, he did lose that match, right? I'm not hallucinating. Yeah, uh, McDonald plays today. Yeah, and even even the match prior, it was not so convincing. There's a few people I follow on tennis Twitter that were like, oh boy, just get this match over with. It is, you know, kind of a nightmare to watch. And he was really strong in the backhand to backhand rallies with Lloyd Harris, but oh boy, was the rest of his game leaky. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm not sold on his form right now, despite having made a run uh, this week in Washington. I think a few of those matches were, were potentially not as strong as um, you'd like to back someone in an outright capacity, especially in Medvedev's quarter in a Masters 1000 event. So we like Medvedev in the first quarter. We go down to the second quarter. Andre Rublev finally gets a break for the first time in quite some time. He's not stuck in a quarter with Novak Djokovic, but he is in the same quarter as Denis Shapovalov, as our resident Canadian, as our Canadian tennis expert, John. Mr. Shapovalov, what can we expect from him? Can he beat Rublev in this quarterfinal? Yeah, I mean, let's go a little... I'm going to get a little anecdotal here, Um, but... This is a venue that that Dennis does love. I believe it was in it was Toronto where he upset Rafael Nadal um, when he kind of really announced his presence on the on the scene on the men's tour a few years back. Look, this is his hometown event, and I hate the whole home soil or whatever narrative that a lot of people bet with. And I know I know Alex likes that. I I get it, but it's just hard to quantify. But he is an emotional player, and this is like again because it's a combined event. Remember, Toronto Montreal are a five hour drive apart for those watching. Uh, it's not really a combined event. We are nowhere close to Montreal. Different province, different culture, everything. So him playing in Montreal is one thing. He'll still have the crowd with him. But him playing in Toronto when he's from just north of the city in Richmond Hill, uh, yeah, this is an event that really pumps him up. So I do believe that he's got a very good chance uh, in this quarter, all things considered. Like the other two seeds, Gunny, not really the greatest hard quarter, although the conditions might help him a little bit, being a little slower uh, on the late cold surface. Guy and Monfils, totally out of form. Uh, John Millman shouldn't really be a huge problem. The big problem for Chapeau here uh, before Rublev is potentially Sebastian Corda in that. That's what I was going to say. That's that a really – that could be popcorn. That could be yeah. a popcorn match in the second round. And that will definitely be a night match. Um, and it'll it'll be a full 5,000 people um, because of the restrictions. It's why I'm not going this year because you can't go to the outer courts, which sucks. You have to stay on center court. They only have two matches per session. And while, like, to me that's use- that's useless – um, I, I go day sessions for the early parts of the week and I like to walk around the grounds and pick the matches I want to watch. I don't want to watch the biggest names clobber people. Um, and unfortunately that's, those are the only options we have this year. So I actually won't be going, which sucks because I love going to, um, the national bank open, but, uh, I'm sure that'll be a night match for the second round and it, it will have the full 5,000, uh, people watching it for sure. Now, Spread, before you talk about Rublev here, because it sounds like you like him in this matchup. Now, John, you know, you like Chapo and his chances here. Are you backing him, though? I'm looking at an outright price around 16 to 1. I don't see any quarter prices up, oddly enough, yet. But um, is that enough for you to put some money behind him? No, I mean, it's probably priced about right. I mean, he's not the favorite. Let's be real. Like, Rublev is a deserved favorite to come out of the quarter. Could Chapo trouble him? Absolutely. Um, Will the crowds help Shapovalov, the type of player, like emotional player he is? Sure, but I'm not sure I'm going to back him at 15 to 1 on an, like on an outright perspective. I don't see quarters either, which is really weird because you have winning quarter and you have all the other derivative markets up at bet 365, but I don't see any um, to win their quarter. I'd, I'd be interested in that price because I do think he is a deserved second favorite. But I mean, you like again, you go over the the 
the low price or the high price, I suppose. Rublev in his quarter, Medvedev in his half, uh, Korda in the second round. There's just a lot of things that uh, I don't like about uh, backing him at 15 to 1, unfortunately. All right, Spread. So what do you think about Mr. Rublev here? You know, it seems like you probably like him in the match against Chapo, but he's only 7 to 1 to win the tournament. What do you think? Yeah, I think he's the rightful favorite of this quarter, but I don't know if he's going to be playing Chapo. I really like the way Sebastian Korda is playing. I think that was a really tough draw uh, for Shapovalov to just basically come in blind. Korda is going to get, um, you know, maybe a tough qualifier. Not sure who's going to play in the first round. Um, you know, hopefully he's able to sneak through that. But I really like his chances um, to get the upset there. And then I also think that Rublev will have um, – I think Isner could give him some problems just because Isner can serve bot his way and steal some tie breaks there. So I don't think it's necessarily a cakewalk. I wouldn't bet him. I do think he's the rightful favorite, but I think if you're going to take a stab, I think the best value is on Corda in this quarter. Yeah, he's 40 to 1 to win the tournament. That's it's kind of a big number. I almost wonder, though, if he'll do better match to match, just kind of rolling stuff over, especially as you get to some of the bigger matches again against Medvedev. And um, we'll see who he faces in the final there. But I don't know if there's quite enough value in that number for me to play it now. Right, and here's the thing about Korda, too, is he really should have had that match against Yannick Sinner. Um, when he was playing his game, he was, I think, up 5-2 in that second set. And he, got, he was really passive in a lot of spots. And there's one thing, I'm not saying Sinner and Chapo are complete, like, comparables. But they are players that if you get passive against, if you've got a big game and you've got a, as big of a forehand as Sebastian Korda does, and, you, and, he, and he comes in with the same approach of being passive and playing with way too much margin, those guys will eat you up. Those guys are aggressive. They're big servers. They're big hitters. And Chapo, even more so than Sinner, is more athletic and can move really well. If you get passive like that, if he doesn't play his game, which he didn't do against Yannick Sinner for the vast majority of that match, he's going to be in big trouble. He's got to play his game of big serve, big forehand, find free easy points, and then put the rest, you know, cobble together the rest of your game after that. But if he doesn't establish himself as he didn't do against Sinner, he's going to be in trouble. Yeah, so I agree. It's We've got Rublev. We're looking at Chapovalov here probably. As much as I like your optimism about the American spread, I think it would be kind of a big feat for quarter there. But Yeah, I, I wouldn't be the- surprised if we saw a little American here in this quarter here. I actually don't mind the way Isner's playing either um, going into this. And while you know, I'm not going to bet on him, I, if, if he ends up beating Rublev, I wouldn't be super surprised. Yeah, we'll see how he's playing. If he's in form, again, he's always capable of kind of serving through some of those matches. As we look down to the bottom half of the draw, the third quarter, um, kind of interesting in the bottom section. We do have Root as our sixth seed there, uh, FAA, another Canadian there. Um, he's the nine seed, Karatsev, back playing tennis, and Stefano Tsitsipas. Some kind of interesting names there, but I think it really comes down to that matchup at the bottom, Karatsev Tsitsipas. What do you think about that, John? That that is a, another popcorn match. That'll be both of their second match, but a third rounder, I believe, right? Because they I think they both have buys. Um, but even before that, Karatsev Nori could be really good. I mean, Nori Hachinov could be good. And then Nori Karatsev could be good. And then the, the following match could be really good. That section is really intriguing. And if you're gonna, you know, pop in and watch, you know, on and off the the tournament all week, I would suggest timing it to watch that little that little section of the third quarter. Um is is could be a lot of fun. I do think that Sitsi Pass should be for me, he should be the favorite in this tournament. Um, did he win it a few years back? In Toronto, we've got to we've did he make the final or win it? Uh, I don't think Sitsipas has ever won here. No, no, no. He he made the Hold final. Up. He did I'm, make the I'm final. I don't think he's one hundred percent positive. 
Did he lose to Rafa or did he beat him? I, th- I think he won it. I can't remember. I should have. This is stuff that should have been done in prep. And my apologies, but I had a long, li- long night last night. So, uh, but I know he does play well here. The slower courts help his uh, return game or lack thereof. I suppose I should lost say lost to Rafa in two. He did lose in the final. Okay, so he made, but he was the final. Yep. Yeah. Um, twenty eighteen was here. Would that make sense? I don't know. Anyway, uh, but it was in Toronto. We have a sizable Greek population for what it's worth, uh, and they do turn up. Um, and they were very, very loud for him. It was like the only time I've ever seen Rafa in a final, not with the crowd support, because Ooh. the Greek community was all at York University watching this, <laughs> watching that final. But look, the conditions are going to suit him really well. I think he should be the tournament favorite, and I'm going to have an outright on him. The only chalk outright I have this week is on Cincy Pass, um, just because the conditions. I think he's right there with Medvedev in terms of talent, but he's going to benefit a lot more from the slower courts in Toronto than Medvedev will. And I think um, he should – I don't know why he's not the tournament favorite. I guess maybe because he's in Rafa's half. But, like, did anyone else watch Rafa in um, Washington get ground down in back-to-back matches and be a little, like, wobbly on his – with uh, his health? I'm not convinced that he is going to be – even at, even at 100%, since he passed, will push him. And I'm not even – I'm not convinced he's close to 100%. So to have Medvedev plus 300, Nadal plus 350, and since he passed at plus 550 – yeah, I think Sitsipas should legitimately be the favorite in this tournament. So I'll have a full unit on uh, on him for sure. See, the name that I like there, I think Karatsev is really going to be competitive in that match. And we were talking a little bit about pre-show. He's 28-1. to 1, And if he gets past Sitsipas there, I think you're actually going to do better taking the 28-1 to 1 now instead of trying to stack money lines and stuff as we go later. I mean, he hasn't been fa- as fantastic as he was to start the season, but we're back on hard courts where, again, he was just kind of ripping people apart to start the year. I'm curious to see, again, you know, what he can do with that match against Sitsipas, but he was only plus 155 against Sitsipas in the Monte Carlo Masters, again, on clay. So I don't think he's going to be a huge underdog in that match. So I've actually got Karatsev there, and that will be probably my only outright here unless you guys talk me into something else before we get done. Karatsev, 28-1. to 1. How about you, Spread? <laughs> Yeah, I hate I hate to do this again, but I'm not I don't see these matchups that you're seeing. I like Hashinov again here. I like him to get past Nori, and I even think that he can give Karatsev problems. I know Karatsev's played very well this year. Still a smaller sample size. Hashinov still has a, a bigger career, and I, I still like Hashinov if he's playing his hundred percent over Karatsev's hundred uh, percent, and that could be debatable because uh, I'll be honest. I you know I. Go towards the women more, and maybe I do overrate Hashinov, as you will notice if we switch over to the men, because I think I've been on him almost every week. Um, but I like him there, and, and the main reason I'm doing this is just to get away from me repeating what you guys said, and that's Sissipas should obviously win the corner, and a lot of times in these men's, the chalky is the way to go. So I agree with you. This is Sissipas' quarter. It makes sense. I was just trying to throw out maybe a little contrarian view on his path to get there because uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's beating Hashinov there in the third round and not Karatsev. I think that's, again, like I said, this that little section is is one to watch. And it, it almost sounds counterintuitive because there are a lot of good players and a lot like uh, a Cam Nori in form in his section, but he's just so head and shoulders above these guys and the conditions do suit him. And I mean, we saw that play out last time the men were in Toronto that I just, I can't get away from thinking that third favorite in this tournament like you have to bet him if he's in the markets the third favorite because for me he's the absolute favorite um to win this tournament considering Nadal's health considering the conditions considering past success despite you know potentially a landmine or two in the earlier rounds um I I do really like him in this what are you seeing for Sitsipas right now 
Five and a half to one. Five and a half. I'll tell you what, I'm hedging if, if we, I'm going to bet that, but I'm hedging if I get to the final. I really hate that matchup with Med. And I know he was able to win at where? The French Open? He finally got the monkey off his back. Well, that's in clay. That's on clay, too. So, I mean, that's that was ex- almost expected, right? Um, right. I, I guess know, on but even then, yeah, I like Med just right. off the, the mental, like, because I know you hate the head to head, but it really yes, felt I, like, <laughs> like Medvedev was physically intimidating him. Well, it makes sense because Med, Medvedev not, does have the that kind of athletic like not athleticism so much as stamina or like he's in good like such good shape that he can hang with you and he he's got that weird i'm six foot five or six foot six with a huge serve but i can also grind and Mm -hmm. and kind of defend against you um so it makes sense but i I certainly think that again those prices if they were reversed i i would pass on both and i'd say that's probably correct but to have metavita plus 300 and since pass plus 550 i can't i can't let that go i I have to play since pass there Sitsipas yeah, beat him twice. One was at the French Open, and then in 2019 beat him at the Tour Finals. But I, th- I think that is going to be a tough matchup. And, you know, as you said, John, we look at the fourth quarter, we've got Nadal. And that's really the reason I think the Sitsipas number is, is where it is. The market looks it at is, it yeah. and says, you know, he's got to beat what is not the hardest quarter in the third quarter, but probably the second most difficult quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, probably Nadal. I mean, who do you see coming out of this quarter spread? Is it Rafa or somebody else? No, we, we see this in, in when we, we do our NBA handicapping too. These grinders, these hustlers, sometimes the decline is, is really steep. And as much as I love Nadal, I'm worried that we are going to see a steep decline. The fact that his style of play and then it's just on the hard courts, it's just, it's just not working. I, I just don't trust him to stay healthy for this whole event. I, I don't think there's any way that you could back him a, at this price. And if he wins, you know, so be it. And, and I'll take my L. But I, I just, it's just so tough for him to stay healthy. Um, the Olympics, of course, was a little bit. Oh, wait, did he skip the Olympics? Yes, Nadal. Yeah. I'm sorry. So he should be a little fresher. But I didn't think he looked that good in Washington. I didn't think he looked like himself at all. So uh, I'm going to get away from Nadal. And, uh, you know, fair play to everyone. I did I did talk to, to John about this beforehand. But I think Diego Schwartzman is the way to go if you are not going to bet Nadal and you're looking for the fade. And it's just the idea that he's the grinder. He, You know what you're going to get with him. And he basically is almost going to play that same style, um, maybe just a little younger, maybe just a little fresher. And then you have uh, this quarter is just full of big names that just aren't playing well right now. Dimitrov, great name, doesn't really play that well anymore. It's not 2017. RBA <laughs> has been pretty good. It's not like he's completely fallen off like Dimitrov, but recently he hasn't been very good. Opelka is the same way. I've seen flashes of more. I thought he was the next American great. I um, can never really keep it together, and I don't see that right now. I mean, honestly, if you want to play like a crazy dog, I mean, Papasil with his serve, or, or however you pronounce it, Popsasil? Pospisil. Uh, he might be able to come out just because I see a quarter full of big names in bad form. His his legs are done, man. He is yeah. so finished. When I when I saw him on grass this year, I was like, okay. I think a lot of us had the wool pulled over our eyes. We were like, okay, he's historically been decent on grass. He has yeah. the game for it, the serve and volley. Oh my god, he was so late getting to his spot when he came into net and was just getting like eaten alive by passing shots. That's not like his game is not going to work well on these slower Toronto courts. Uh, maybe okay. in Montreal you'd have somewhat more of a chance, but on these slower Toronto courts, I, I don't think so. I think he's in trouble. Um, and look, I like you said, I think Schwartzman's the way to go here. Uh, 40 to one. I know he's not in form. It's, it's really odd. He has not played a lot re- recently. His last three tournaments were Grand Slam, Grand Slam, Olympics. 
which again, to me, kind of threw me off, but he, he started to show some life in those events. The wins were there. They weren't the best wins, both eye test and in terms of quality of competition. But um, look, he's this makes sense for him, right? He's in Rafa's quarter. We're looking to fade Rafa off of the injury. Now, I will say, I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be giving you advice to fade Rafa. And while I don't think the advice is bad, I think a lot of people are going to be talking about, well, he looked injured in Washington. And I get that. And he's he's back fresh. And that is why, part of the reason I'm fading him as well. Um, but he does have success here. Remember, these are slower hard courts. When Rafa wins on hards, these this is the place he likes to do it. Mm-hmm. So I will I will give that word of caution. Don't be going out and throwing like, you know, two, three units on outrights in the fourth quarter just because Rafa looked hurt in Washington in his matches. Um, he said his foot felt a lot better in that second match, the one where he lost. So again, a few more days, who knows? But I do think that all things considered, Schwartzman has given him fits in the past because he doesn't give him pace uh, that that Rafa kind of wants to to, to counter punch with. He is a guy who has said in interviews he prefers hard courts even over clay, despite his style, because it, it gives him a little bit more oomph on his serve. But they're not overwhelmingly fast hard courts. He's not going to be blown out of the like blown off the court. I think Toronto could work very well for Diego Schwartzman. I think forty to one is a huge number um, that I'll, that I'm more than willing to uh, to take a, sh- a shot at with like a half unit or quarter unit. Again. Don't go crazy just trying to blind fade Rafa here because the conditions suit him. He likes the venue. He won here the last time it was here. Uh, he's still Rafael freaking Nadal. And he has said that his foot did feel better in that second match than it did in the first. And he has, despite losing it. Uh, and, you know, he has had a few more days to rest up. So I'm going to fade Rafa. I think it is a wise decision. But don't go overboard on a singular kind of not anecdotal but like don't take one angle like the potential injury and just go balls to the wall fading them because you could lose a lot of money in that case yeah absolutely all right so i think that just about does it from outright perspective john you've got schwartzman at 40 you've got sits a pot five and a half was there a third or fourth one there nope that's it for the men how about you spread you talked about a couple numbers but did you end up actually uh wagering on any no i did not so i will wait bookmaker didn't have them up and that's pretty much who i've been using primarily yeah, I'll take some Karats. I have 28 to 1. But it's just it's a tough tournament given with where the big names are. It'll be fun, I think, match to match with some of these um, players. But that's about it from an outright perspective. And let's get into some matches. You know, Oddly enough, with all the buys and the fact that qualifiers haven't been placed, we don't have a ton, but there are a few interesting matches. Spread, of course, wanted to talk about Mr. Brooksby, the star of last week. He's minus 263 um, against Feely. It puts him, I think, right around 1.4 or so, probably 1.39, maybe 1.38. Uh, Basilis Feely plus 200 or right around 3 to 1. Mr. Brooksby, I mean, John, have you been on the Brooksby train or the Brooksby bandwagon? I don't know. It seemed like everybody loved him early last week. Oh, for those of us that watch Challengers, we are all big Jensen Brooksby fans. It, it, he was not the story of last week. He's the story of 2021 <laughs> to us tennis hipsters. He's the story of the year. Um, I love it. Yeah, and I mean, I mean – Look, I'm not going to jump off the bandwagon because he lost to Yannick freaking center. I could not believe uh, three or four tweets I saw just like cussing him out. It's like, and this is this is why <laughs> tennis Twitter does not like tennis betting Twitter, right? Because jackasses <laughs> come out and start running their mouths about Brooksby sucks soon as he got to, soon as he played a good player. Shut up. Like, shut up. The kid has been incredible this year. I'm not going to take him here. Uh, I think he's actually got a relatively tough time. Um or tough draw, I should say, right? Uh, in this in this spot, but I love the kid. That's as much as I'll say. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the reason I put this on on the list, right, is so I don't watch as much Challenger as you, John. 
So it was kind of new to me, and I talked about it because we've done some some tennis content at Run Fear this week. I said, so I did a, I did a crash course on him this week, and I'll tell you what: if you just use this week's tape study, because this was before the center match, I said this kid is unbelievable. <laughs> but unfortunately, yeah. I don't have any poor performances that I've seen to kind of offset, right? You know, because we talked talked about you know, especially the WTA today. If you did tape shit study on Meyer Sharif yesterday you would think she's going to be a potential top 20 player. If you watch today, you said, oh, you know, maybe she'll win ITF W25 this year. So, right? like, you know, I, I got to be almost, careful here. It's almost as if one match sample sizes are not smart to base your handicaps <laughs> yeah. off of. Who knew? I had no idea. Here I am the entire five years I've been on Twitter just handicapping the match prior. <laughs> oh, the competition yeah. does have, might have something to do. I've always hated that. They play a bad match against a good player. Maybe it's just yeah. a good player. Like, yeah. Think about yeah. what you just said. Like, his and that was a contrast in styles. And his first set was incredible. Like he played really well. And I think, like you know, Yannick Sinner doesn't have to in that matchup. Yannick Sinner doesn't have to move half as much as Brooksby does, right? He's got the power and he's dictating. So Brooksby, Brooksby's the one being run ragged, and it showed in that second set. But that's pretty much what it came down to. That first set was incredible tennis. Um, and he really, he, he held his serve and he held his own really, really well. But as you fatigue, you get, you know, that the legs start to feel heavier that takes away from your serve. Right. So it all kind of compounded for him that second set. And I don't hold a loss to Yannick freaking at center as like, uh, okay, no, he's done. He sucks. He's overrated. Like that's, that's <laughs> folks. That's not how this sport works. They play yeah. so many matches and we play, I think 40 something weeks of the year. This is not, you know, the NFL where you play 16, 18 weeks, uh, and then the playoffs and you're done. Like our off season is a month. Right. Yeah. So perspective is always key. We talked about our doubts around KD Shikori, but he's here in the first round, minus 250 or 1.4 against Kekmanovic. Kekmanovic right around 2 to 1, plus 200 or 3.0, depending on how you like your odds. Unfortunately, though, <laughs> it's slower courts. Kekmanovic generally likes faster conditions and being indoors. So as much as we doubt Nishikori, and I see you kind of nodding there, John, is there any reason to back Kekmanovic at this big number? Or are we just kind of passing all together on this? Because this is kind of a Nishikori surface, if you will. Yeah, gosh, I, I kind of want to after watching after watching him go to the semis uh, in Washington and not looking great in his last two matches. And it, I'm kind of I'm tempted, but I don't think you can justify it. I mean, if we move this from odds to implied probabilities, because we really should, because most people don't look at it that way, right? Most people predict outcomes. Does Kekmanovic winning this 33% of the time steam right? I mean, that seems about right. That seems exactly where it should be. He does pull this upset off in this exact spot against K off the longer week where he didn't look terrific in his last couple of matches. And, you know, that Lloyd Harris match it took him a while to really put him away after a – he started – remember, he started 4-love in that first set and then won a, what looked like a fairly close scoreline. That was a fair scoreline for the way the match played out. He was not as dominant as he was early on. And that carried over into the Mackie McDonald match where he lost outright. Um, and I backed him in both those matches. Like, so – I mean, Tekmanovic has the, the game, but does he have the the patience, the consistency to do it? I don't think so, especially on score court. I'm not I'm not sold on Tekmanovic here. I think plus two hundred is probably about right. Again, thirty to thirty five percent of the time feels like that kind of range that you would have him in when you're handicapping, saying how often does this upset happen? I think that's about right. Yeah. Now, spread the next match you wanted to talk about. Your buddy Opelka. Plus 125 or 2.25 against Nick Kyrgios. Kyrgios right around minus 155 or 1.65. Again, maybe not the best conditions for these two players, but pretty similar games. Um, you know, as far as I'm aware, neither has been playing a ton of tennis or playing very well. What do you think, Spread? I like the dog here. 
Um, I wanted to obviously get your guys' opinion before I place the bet here, but I'm all about fading Kyrgios. Um, I mean, he's even talked about retirement recently. Oh, um, please don't tease me. Yeah, I, I just, <laughs> I mean, I know, I know Opelka hasn't played that much, but at least like I understand that he's committed to the sport. And while he doesn't have the, the <laughs> natural talent, it's pretty close. It's not like Kyrgios is going against, you know, a guy like me, right? Since we always like to, I always like to compare myself to pro tennis players. <laughs> he's, not, he's not going against me, right? I mean, Opelka's very, very close talent-wise. So uh, I'll take the dog here. It's tough. I mean, this is one of those weird situations where, John, I'm looking at the handicap here, and Opelka's plus one and a half. I don't hate that. Yeah. Well. <laughs> All you got to do is get one tie break. Well, no. If you yeah, went to set 6-4, you're money. Can we, uh, yeah, you really are. Can we ladder over, 30, <laughs> over 36? So I'm trying to look and figure out like over 38 and a half. Yeah, over 38 and a half. Over 38 and a half. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it you're going to say it's going to go three, you may as well try and yeah. find a, a a ridiculously alt total if you can. And I know yeah. Pinnacle only spreads five. I think I think it's Camby that'll give you a total, then a heavily juiced low total, but then they'll yeah. give you like a really high total, like plus three fifty. Look at it. Over twenty-seven plus one twenty-five. Over 27 plus 125. Are you on Cambi Bucks right now? Just provide. I'm going to pull up Cambi right now. Let me pull up Unibet here and check that. Because, look, this is – if there was ever a Kyrgios match to stay away from, and, again, all Kyrgios matches are stayaways at this point, but if there ever was one to stay away from, it's against a guy like um, <laughs> Opelka, who has the game but has just been so weirdly out of form this year uh, compared to ex- – relative to the expectations I think people had for him in 2021 – so, I mean, for me, it's an easy stay away unless you're just going to look at that. Like, alternate total over. But even then, you know, you're still relying on Kyrgios to give two dams about tennis. Uh, I didn't know there were four states that, that in, the, in the states that Unibet is in now. By the way, side note, it's pretty cool. Uh, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, yeah, no go for me. Do you like yeah, how Opelka went from Isner with a backhand to, uh, to auto fade in just one season? <laughs> So weird, and he's still priced as if he was. He's still being priced as if he was like the John Isner with a better backhand yeah. and better movement. Like he's also a way better mover than John Isner. Again, yeah. bar being set very low in that regard. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, just the, the the obvious there is just because of the huge serve, you know. But I, I, you know what? It's like now I'm tempted that spread says the dog, and I'm seeing a plus one thirty five, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's a coin. Flip. I'm, I'm going to pass, uh, but. Again, uh, I don't, I don't hate it. Where are the totals on this match? Do they thirty-two have and a half was as high as you could go. What is it? It's thirty-two and a half, like plus two sixty-five or something. Oh, it's a slider now. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. Plus two sixty-five and over thirty-two and a half. I mean, yeah. If you're if you're gonna play anything on that match, it's probably the way to go. Is just take a, a small amount of money, like a half unit, and just go for the the alternate total at, at big plus money is what I would say there. Yeah. Next matchup, uh, Nori's playing Hatchinov. This should be one of the better first round matches on the men's side. Definitely one of the closer spreads. Um, I'm sorry, closer money lines that we have. Nori's right around even or 2.0. Hatchinov minus 120 or 1.83. Spread likes Hatchinov, obviously, based on the way he was talking about him. What do you think here, John? I'm opposite. And look, I've lost money on Hatchinov this year, fading him. I'm not going to lie to you. I can't lie to you. Uh, you know, the Olympics, he made the final, won a medal for Russia or the ROC, whatever the Olympics are letting them call themselves for now. Um, quarterfinals at Wimbledon, push Chapo. Like he has found some form, but these courts are not quick at all. And Cam Nori 
is in better form than Hatchinoff. Maybe not like recently, but overall as like the, the body of work of, in 2021, he's been obviously far better. He's been one of the best players of the entire season on the entire tour. Uh, he's got the game that will track down a lot of what um, Hatchinoff is going to try and do in terms of hitting. Hatchinoff has become more consistent in his game in his last couple of tournaments. I'll give him that. Is that going to be a permanent kind of fixture? I don't think so. Uh, and the slower courts will help Cam Nori as well. I'm giving Nori a near even money. Like he's an underdog here. Um, according to the odds portal odds we're using, I will definitely be on Cam Nori in some capacity uh, or multiple capacities even at even money in this matchup. Does that make you nervous, Fred? No, it's fine. Only because oh. I've had oh I've had success with Hashinov before. I mean, like I, I'm here on this Hashinov train, and no one no one's joining me. <laughs> and, and he's been and doing pretty case, well for me. In case you really needed some reassurance, the head to head, the most Uh-oh. important statistic outside of tiebreak percentage, of course, the most relevant <laughs> statistic in tennis handicapping, Nori leads two one. Check me, bitch. <laughs> so glad Spread and I stayed quiet for that so we can flip that and use that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the most important chat in tennis. Now, now we have that recorded now. All right, John, you marked off here. Lorenzo Sinego, plus 140 or 2.4 against Hugo Umber. Umber right around minus 175, which is – oh, I don't feel like doing the conversion in my head. It's like 1.58 or something maybe. What say you here, John? You back in the dog or the favorite? I'm looking at the underdog here because I think Sinego's game has started to translate surfaces. Um, obviously, we're comfortable on clay, but we've seen him like that serve is going to play across surfaces, right? And I think that um, a slower surface does not help a guy who's very slap happy, like Ugo Umber, who likes the hard, like not the hard, the faster surfaces, right? Like, obviously, grass is his preferred surface. He's got that big lefty serve. Uh, he can pull you out wide and hammer the forehand. I'm not sure how that's going to translate to some of the slower hard courts you have here in Toronto. And look, Lorenzo Sinego is, again, a very, very good player who has the serve to, to, to keep himself in matches. And on a slower surface, I do. I do think I like um, the Italian here, especially at plus 140. Like, if this was even money, I'd be like, okay, I understand Umber being a slight favorite. Um, maybe even plus 110, again, pass, plus 120. Now you're starting to tempt me, but plus 140, that's a little excessive for me. Yeah, I think so. All right, gentlemen, that just about does it for the men's side. Let's switch gears and talk about the women's draw. They're in Montreal, which of you are using Tennis Draw Challenge, by the way. The cities are labeled wrong. Don't worry about it. All the players are right. They're the correct <laughs> spot. The first quarter here, Arena Sabalenka is our number one seed. We've got Victoria Azarenka down there at the bottom as our number eight seed. They both have buys. Some interesting names here in the middle. Um, Paula Bedosa playing. Uh, Madison Keys. I know Spread loves Madison Keys. We've got Zachary there, our girl Kirby Matova. This is a pretty fun quarter. What say you, Spread? Yeah, this should be a lot of fun. Um, Sabalenka, number one. Pr- pretty cool for you, huh? I mean, this is not like me when Penko's like number one in like a 250 in Lens. I mean, this is and like a real real yeah. yeah, that, that means something. So... <sighs> So, so give you congratulations there. That being said, I think that she's going to have a tough spot. Normally, Sloan's an auto-fade. I thought that she looked pretty good in San Jose this week. I think that she can give her problems, especially because Sloan does like to play defense. So I think that Sloan will enjoy that matchup. Uh, and if she gets by that, she's going to be there playing a, a hard-hitting Madison Keys or uh, Bedosa, who I'm actually surprised, and we'll get to this in the first-round matches, that she's only like 
minus 170 against Golubich. So maybe I'm underrating there. And maybe I shouldn't just be putting her in the second round. Uh, but that's likely to happen. And then on the bottom, uh, boy, Putin's save is in great form right now. Uh, I think it's going to be tough to go against her. Of course, we do like uh, Sakari as always, too. I think Kirstea is going to do pretty well on this surface. And, and you had mentioned uh, Noobs before we had started, but uh, you know I'll go ahead and steal that. The Vika doesn't like this tournament very much. <laughs> so I actually didn't have her going far either, but just hearing that made me feel a little better about waiting until next week to uh, – to get some Vika in me. So uh, I think that a good um, way to go here is you take either Bedosa or Putin Seva um, to win the quarter. Yeah, I agree with one of those names. What do you think, John? I think like, and it's really weird to say that about Vika because like, again, this is not a tournament that's played in one set venue every year. They alternate. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it's just, I think both, I think both venues are probably a little slow for her to be honest um, in terms of court speeds. Like Montreal's, quicker than Toronto, but it's not like they're lightning fast courts, right? By any means. So, um, yeah, I think Cincinnati's probably much, much more her speed, uh, her speed, no pun intended. There's a lot of fun matches in this area. Like if Diane Yastrzemska, who has kind of built her way back into looking half decent, if she can, um, be competitive in that match, that could be a good first rounder. Bedosa and Golubich could be a lot of fun. Um, you know, even Sakari and, and Buskova, look, the number sucks on Maria. So I won't be playing her, but I really do like her chances. And that first round is no walkover either. Again, Kudrinatova, Putin, Seva. Like this quarter is chock full of really fun first round matchups. And so for that reason, I'm more than willing to pass on outrights here. Uh, I, I don't trust Sabalenka. I, it's, Sabalenka has that feel like she finally made a run at Wimbledon and she's been so good this year. It's like, what more does she need to do to convince people? Because I feel like the whole tennis world continues Just to say, I still slam. don't. Yeah, that's but, but no. It, I I hate to say it, but you're right, and it's silly and it's stupid. It is silly, and it's like I I am in that camp. It's like I still don't trust her because her her game style when it comes to outrights and winning tournaments, it's just you can never trust it. Because even if she won two tournaments in a year and made a Grand Slam, you know, quarter, semi, or final, um, it's just match to match. It can go, and it can be right. too error prone that you can never trust it on an outright scale. Um, and I think she's going to have that question lingering forever. Even if she wins a Grand Slam, Penko won a Grand Slam, the question mark around her ability to stay consistent will always be there because of that game style. So um, because of that and Vika just not being good anymore and being overpriced and so many good first rounders, I think it's really tough to find value on the outright markets um, in this quarter. That's Sabalenka's problem. She just plays with too little margin to be able to win that many consecutive matches. It's almost like trying to parlay like a bunch of underdogs or something. Every once in a while, you might hit one of those, but it's just really tough. I mean, she just, it's, she's trying to paint lines too much. And I know it's tough to get someone as aggressive as her to kind of dial it back. But if she could find ways to play with more margin from time to time, I think she could do better. But we'll see. She continues to mature. I do think this is a tough spot for her. She generally doesn't do well in her first tournament traveling to a new continent. She's got the buy here, so she's not even going to get kind of a, a nice, easy first-round opponent to build any form. And like you guys said, I mean, whether it's Sloan, whether it's Yastrzemska, that could be a really tough match. Um, and this is part of the reason I like Bedosa. This is a pretty tough quarter, but Bedosa found the nicest spot in it. I mean, Golubich is no easy pass there in the first round, but I expect her to move past there. And then Madison Keys and name only is tough. She is really bad north of the border. She's never done well at these tournaments and, you know, hasn't played terribly well. Generally, you know, similar to what we talked about with Vika, kind of plays here and then heads right to Cincinnati. 
to try to win that tournament. So yeah. I think Bedosa will be sitting there in the third round, whether it be Sabalenka or someone that upsets her, with a chance to build a little bit of form and the right game to take advantage of those errors. So at 33-1, to 1, I like her. If she can get past Sabalenka there in the third round, I have no problem with her against Zachary, against Kudermatova, against even Vika mm-hmm. if she makes it that far. And now I'm out of the quarter, and I'm feeling pretty solid. So Bedosa's my first outright pick there at 33-1 to 1 or better. I think I, love it. I get it. I, I think that gloss over of Suckery was a little uh, dangerous, but I do That's understand fine. the rationale. Like, I think I really do think Maria for me is probably the the player that I would I would take. But what was the number again? 15? 15, 16. You might even be able to find an eighteen if you hunt. But it, I think Suckery's got a kind of tough draw. Yeah, Who's that's been playing team. well, but she's kind of tricky. Kudermatova Putin save is going to be tough. And well, she's then... back on hard courts too. Buzkova back on hard courts is tough. Kudermatova Putin save is a tough second round. I mean, her third round might be easier than her first two, legitimately. Yeah. Like exactly. her third round, it's crazy to think. Like that's what that's another great part of this sport is the craziness of, and the randomness of the way the draws work, right? Uh, but look, that number is too low. I we agreed on this in prep too, and it sucks because if it was like if I could get like a twenty-two to twenty-five, I would be on soccer. But fifteen is like yeah. It's like, yeah, it's far too short for me. Uh, I do I do like her to win this quarter, though. I do think this it sets up really well despite the draw. Uh, sorry, it doesn't set up well. It's just she has the talent to do it. It doesn't set up well. It's the opposite um, of setting up well for her. But uh, but look, she's really she's a really quality player. She's got the consistency. She's improved her serve year on year. I, I really do think that she's uh, really solid and that she – that could very well end up being, you know, the w, you know the, the randomness of the WTA and the, the way that we end up getting – matchups that you know the projections the projected quarter finalists that our friend steve loves so much um this is one where it could just be completely thrown to you know what um you, like bedosa versus suckery in that quarterfinal would not surprise me and that's unseeded versus 11, the 11 seed right it's no one has there's probably not a lot of people that have that quarterfinal matchup in their tennis draw challenge bracket that's how i would actually play it out though i do think that you're right i do think bedosa um, makes a, a good run, and I think that the that Suckery comes out of that bottom section. Those projected so, quarterfinalists on the men's side, they're like good. I mean, they're like you can, you know, they're awesome yeah. a lot. The on men's the side, side, you can do that more. You can do that. Like you trying can trying to guess the weather three months from now, right? Like, Hurt, or I mean, hurting you're cats. Get it right every once in a while, but <laughs> to put it in to put it in spread terms, it's like hurting yeah. cats. Right? <laughs> do you ever quarter. try to hurt them? By the way, do you ever try and hurt them? No, I would. I would. <laughs> Second quarter is pretty interesting. The bottom section is stacked. This is one of the best sections of the tournament we've had probably all year. Rybakina's got Samsonova in the first round. Tormo back on hard courts, which I can't believe I'm saying excitedly. Ostapenko's down here. Muguruza in the bottom. And you go up to the top, you do have Mahova and Pushkov, which are very good. But then there's four qualifiers, which could be interesting. The qualifier all- field here... Pretty solid. I mean, let me see if I can pull up a list here, but there's some good names. They're all stacked together, too. How weird is that? Like, they're all in the same section. Forget four qualifiers in the quarter. They're all in that one section. Wait. Yeah, they're all in the same section. The Mahova pliskova section. That's crazy. Yeah, we've got Dodan beat on Lee. Caroline Garcia's in. Martin Sova's in. Harriet Dart. Um, Anna Samova up a set on Rakamova here. Looks like she'll be okay. Heather Watson um, up a set on Burrell. Van Newtbank up a break, and then Potapova and Ledenovich hasn't started. But some good competitive names there. You know, if you're someone like Pliskov, who's coming off a bye, really hasn't played too much tennis since Wimbledon, played a couple Olympic matches. But, I mean, do you really want to run into a couple qualifiers like that or to start? That could be tough. No, 
exactly. So still, it seems like she still seems like she's head and shoulders above this field to me. Um, Garbine is the one that I think can give her the most issues, but to me, this one felt most like doing an ATP draw. Like it's like the the favorite is clear, and then you see a bunch of players that if they play their best, they definitely could take out the favorite. Uh, but I don't like it as much, and I definitely don't like the dogs as much here. We know that, you know, we like Ostapenko as a dog, but this is just, I, I don't like her path at all. I think the Garbine's going to give her problems with her ability to basically turn into a defensive player when she needs to, but then also take advantage of if Penko goes passive. So I, I have problems seeing Ostapenko get past that match. If she even gets past Siniakova, which, um, I mean, boy, it, it talk about a, a, a true, true roulette wheel of a match. I mean, who knows what's going to happen there. And Rybakina is always a tough one um, to handicap here. So obviously she can get Pliskova troubles, but this is the one that I'm confident taking the chalk in. How about you, John? Yeah, not, I'm a Hova for me, if anyone. Um, I, I think I, I only had the three outrights between both draws, which was nice. Um, but I think I'm adding Mahova uh, at, at 25 to one in this, uh, to come out of this quarter, not to come out to win the tournament, but from this quarter, the only outright I like uh, Ismahova, I do think that the the like her game matches up decently with Pliskova. Um, as you went over the qualifiers, there I actually wasn't as impressed as I thought I would be. So I don't mind having a a, a section like packed with qualifiers here. I think that sets up well actually for uh, the two checks. And look, Muguruza obviously is someone who, if I were to predict who wins the tournament, if we're talking about just prediction based, yeah, I mean. Sabalenka Muguruza feels right as like the top two. Not real. I mean, I'd have Muguruza the favorite. I have a lot of respect for her just because her game is so well-rounded. She does a lot of things very well. Uh, and I'm surprised she hasn't won more often than she has on tour. But I guess when you are in the Serena Williams era, that's what happens. Uh, but look, in terms of numbers and what you can bet, I would have to say that Mahova is the value in this quarter uh, more so than Garbina. And it's they're different sections, so you wouldn't even meet until the quarters anyway. Garbina yeah. and Pliskova, to me, are both in this, like, comfortable phase in their careers where they've accomplished so much. They just, I don't know. Like, sometimes I just feel like they don't, you know, it's, they're not trying to prove themselves like like some of these younger players, which is why I always struggle to, to back them in outrights. But, because... like, but has, and the other thing, too, is has Pliskova done anything outside of Wimbledon? And by the way, that Wimbledon final was one of the worst matches I've seen a player play in a Grand Slam final, maybe ever. Like, what did you watch her in Rome? Okay. Because that was worse. Oh yeah, that's that. Outside of Rome and Wimbledon, <laughs> where she made the final, she's been horrible this year. And in yeah. the two finals she did make, she looked god awful. Like she looked so bad in both of those finals. If if Ash Barty wasn't a total like choke artist when she has leads, um, that match is over in relatively straightforward fashion. I can't believe I got that over. I still think it's one of the luckier bets I've had in a long time. Um, <laughs> And then she got routined by Georgie in the third round of the Olympics. Like, what on earth has inspired people to believe in Karolina Pliskova? Literally Wimbledon. That's it. That's yeah. the only reason to believe in her. Uh, I'd be looking to fade her here. And I think Mahova's got the game to do it. Now, Mahova's also got the game because it isn't so big um, that a qualifier could give her troubles. But again, the implied probabilities I'm taking have her at like 3.5. Eight or nine percent. I'm not backing a chalky favorite here who could be in danger. I'm more than happy to back someone who, yeah, may be in trouble early on if the wrong qualifier gets. Mad. But if she plays like Heather Watson, oh god. I mean, I'm not concerned at all, right? But if you know, if someone with a big game, if it's Dodan serving well on her day, she could be in trouble. But again, when you're at 25 to one, stop trying to find ways to talk yourself out of something when when value's in front of you. 
is what I would say. That's that's how I feel. The 25 to 1, looking at her spot, it's one of the easier spots in the entire draw, again, unless she gets totally hosed on the qualifiers, which I'm not too worried about. No concerns about her. Which one would you be here. worried about the most? Um, Let me pull up that list again. I just closed it, unfortunately. Like it's not I mean, Carol. I actually think Kiki's playing pretty well right now, but I know we're all always I think really you have Potapova in today's match, right? And I have Kiki. So yeah, Potapova's always pretty tough. I mean, Anna Samova can play some really fantastic I think that would be the one to worry about the most. Yeah, okay. okay. There, that's the type of game that could, that if she's serving well, could really bug Mahova, I think. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But I, I, like, she hasn't really been bothered by big servers in the past. I don't think let me look let me look up her losses, but um that's what I mean. Like she is a player that could potentially run into trouble early, right? Like this is the problem is everyone's like, Well, I'm not gonna bet something that I don't I don't think has a, a really good chance of hitting. Is it's like no, you bet something because you think it has a higher percent chance of winning than the market implies, right? Like that's the game we're playing here. If you're not playing the game that way, then you should really slow down. Um but like Kerber, Kudermatova, Stevens. Um, then you get like, you know, her other losses, Pavichenko, Alex, Drova, Brady. Okay, those are bigger hitters. Kanepi was a walkover and, and Kasakino was a walkover. But like, yeah, the last few people to beat her have not been big game, you know, big serve, big hitting. It's been people who kind of have that well-rounded game like her who just outdo her on the day. Uh, so I I'm more than comfortable backing Mahova in this spot at the number. And Muguruz is very good, but she's been a little wishy-washy. Rybakina has struggled later in tournaments. And I think just that section is so tough. You're going to have somebody that you know probably is a little fatigued, had to play a little too much tennis, and I think Mahova is just going to kind of be hitting her stride there. So at 25 to one, with an easier path to the quarterfinals than Rybakina, than Muguruza, than some of these names that are above him, I think that's value, and that will be my second out right here. Um, All right, third quarter. This one is a little tough. This to me is probably the most wide open quarter. Petra Kvitova is our seat at the top. Svitolina, the bronze medalist at the Olympics down there, our seat at the bottom. I mean, Kvitova's really struggled all year, especially since hurting herself at the French Open there at that press conference, unfortunately. Um, Svitolina is very good. This is actually a tournament where she generally would do pretty well. But I wonder if somebody like Coco Goff could knock her off. There's a couple names here at the top. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's so wide open. It probably is Fidelina's, but I mean, what do you think here, John? I mean, can your girl get it done? This is the place to do it, right? Like a, a 1000 event uh, in media. I guess these are like medium slow, whereas Toronto's slow. These are probably medium to medium slow. Um, that's kind of what benefits her. She, she has the counter punching. She doesn't like, like mud slow, um, but this is the place to do it. Her draw is pretty nice. Like if she's going to lose early here, the questions are going to continue to pile up uh, surrounding her. I mean, she has a bye, and then Zheng Shui or Joe Conta, and then what? Goff, Sevastova, or Rogers, and then Kvitova in slower conditions. I don't. I don't think Montreal's too hot right now. It's brutal here. Um, it's like thirty degrees of humidity every day. So, like, if we were in Toronto, Kvitova would be. And thirty degrees is Celsius, by the way. So it's not freezing cold uh, for the Americans that use Fahrenheit. That's, That's like ninety degrees, I guess. Yeah, it's about ninety. Um, 85 to 90 a day with humidity here. It's not fun. Like I'm sweating right now, just sitting here. Um, but this is kind of a good, really good quarter for her. I, I Montreal is, is not too much colder. I think that Kavitova could have trouble in these conditions. People think Canada and cold. I don't think they realize that in the summer in Toronto, Montreal, it can get hot and humid. Um, and I don't know, like if you want to be going to back Kavitova, um, in Canadian summer conditions, trust me. And then look, look at the rest of this quarter. Tomjanovic, Farrell, Lynette, Podoroska, Georgie. Mertens is the one 
that's the that's the only outright I have from this quarter, and it's small. It's really small because she was routined by Dasha in San Diego, San Jose, San Diego. Where was that? San, San Jose. Jose, other end of California, right? Um, look, I'm not the biggest uh, fan right now of Marins, but over twenty to one in this week of a quarter. Yeah, I'll be backing Mertens here. I wouldn't back Svitolina because of her price and because, like, again, even though I like I'm her fan and this is the perfect time for her to poach another 1,000 title, I'm just not sold um, on her. And, and the numbers are really tough. I was advocating for Coco Golf, but basically everybody in here is less than 20 to 1. Did anybody stick out to you, Spread? Yeah. Since, I, since I'm not a fan and, you know, I don't have a lot of emotions involved, and if I lose, it's just some money. Uh, I'm gonna take Spitalina. I I, I, lo- I love the way the draw sets up for her. I think this is. I was gonna well, say, yeah. You know, I mean, it's hard. Like I had the same thing. Like with Dasha yesterday, I, we I had talked about Bedner, but it's just like I'm rooting for her, so I feel like is my heart getting involved just because I'm so happy seeing her win. But regardless, here I can come in with a fresh, open mind. Uh, and we talked earlier about the potential golf Svitolina matchup, which I do agree with you guys that I, I do expect that to happen. And that's where I do think Svitolina has a nice advantage. I feel that it's, she's just a more polished version of Coco Golf. I feel that Coco Golf, when she, you know, as she continues to progress, is going to look like more elite version of, of Svitolina's peak. But right now, with Golf only being like, what, 17 and Svitolina being at her prime, she's in a great place mentally. We saw that in the Olympics. The courts favor her. Um, she's coming off a very nice showing. She got a week to rest, uh, acclimate to the new time zone. Um, seems like the weather's about close to the same. I guess it's not as humid. In it's Montreal. not as yeah. It's not as bad as Tokyo. We're not Tokyo bad. Yeah, uh, for okay. heat, but it's it's still it's still a uh, it's gonna be a grind for these players for sure. Yeah, and I and if um, Petra would be my worry, uh, inform Petra. But I don't know if we're gonna get it that far. You know, Petra is another one of those players where. I think that the name is starting to make her overvalued as much as I like her, as much as she's one of my favorites. And if we're just being fans, you know, this is probably who I'd root for out of the quarter. Uh, from what I've seen for her lately, uh, I would like Svitolina in that matchup. And I even think that Elise has a chance uh, to knock her off. So um, give me Svitolina here. And this is going to be – normally I like to just bet the quarters. Go ahead and give me for the whole tournament. i like her to go ahead and grab another 1,000 and really build her number up for the U.S. Open where she can disappoint us there. And and the other thing, too, is it's it's almost, again, it's almost like counterintuitive or like against the the logic in a way that if you were to take Elise Mertens and Alina Svitolina and profile the exact type of player that beats them, mm-hmm. it would be a Petra Kvitova, exactly. right? A, a big server, big hitter. But I, I'm not sold. She's making a run to the semifinals in these conditions. I'm really not um she very well could but like like the courts aren't uh the speed that she would want i don't think the weather is going to be the kind of conditions she would like uh, i think there's a, a few too many things uh stacked up against her here and it 18 to 1 look i like her number more than i like svitolina's if i'm being honest despite all the factors i've just talked about because svitolina's <laughs> number is actually more expensive than petra's which i think yeah. considering their games doesn't make a whole lot of sense but i am going to look to oppose petra in the outright market here and i think look do i think that having them bunched together like this 16 to 1 18 to 1 22 to 1 is the right move? Yes. Do I think that the right players are in the like in those slots? No. And that's why I'm going to be able to back, again, very small, back Elise Mertens. I mean, on the Petra point, though, let me just jump in. Um, you're right that that, that number – actually, I, I do think the number's right. I do think this Fidelina's got a better chance than Petra here. And I, we've talked about peak Petra on tennis Twitter. 
I'm wondering if we're ever going to see her again. And one of the things that I think that we saw from the pandemic is some of these older, more comfortable players, and that's what I was trying to allude to earlier, and I, I didn't do a very good job at all. They didn't really work on their games. They've got millions. They've got different houses to stay at, right? And I think a lot of these younger players bridge the gap, but the pricing is still like some of these younger players haven't come up here. Um, and it's weird because I would have think that this Fidelina would have been comfortable, but I really was impressed uh, with how well she played in the Olympics. And if you look at her career so far and even like her talent level and what she's achieved, it's obviously through hard work, um, dedication, and love of the sport here. So um, th that's just my only pushback that I do think that Svitolina is properly favored over Petra here um, just because I think that Petra's really going to be overvalued a lot in the next two years before people catch on that we might never see that player that won Wimbledon again. Spread. Calling Petra out on the floor for a work ethic. Damn. Well, here no, we go. no, 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 no. I'm, I'm now, it's, I'm now backing Petra to win Wimbledon Effort. next year. Next year I'm, she's going to win Wimbledon now. Watch. <laughs> okay. Spread with the reverse jinx. Just, I, I'd be it's happy because trying. I like her. She's, she's one of the nicest players on tour. She's so fun to root is, for. Yeah. But physically, I just think that she's going downhill. I like Spinelli, I'm with you guys. I don't like that number, but I'll be betting her match to match. I mean, if Kvitova is in that quarterfinal and it's against Spinelina, I'll back her there. And I'll probably back Spinelina, honestly, even in the semifinals against the fourth quarter, which let's jump into that now, has two very big names. Um, Simona Halep is at the top of the quarter, and Bianca Andreescu down at the bottom of the quarter, defending champion Bianca Andreescu somehow, because um, we haven't played this in a while. But some fun names in the middle here. Dasha Kasakina, Olmster Bohr, Jessica Pagula, Layla Fernandez. This quarter, as much as the last one was hard because it was tough to figure out kind of who to pick, this one is hard almost in a different way where we have these two big names. And, I mean, what do you do here, John? I mean, Simona Halep, her first match since being injured. Andreescu hasn't been playing a lot of tennis, but we saw her make the finals in Miami without really any preparation. Can she defend her title here at home? I mean, that's the thing about her, right, is is it comes out of nowhere, and it goes really quickly, too. Uh, can she? Absolutely. Um, again, she's a Torontonian, Toronto girl, Mississauga, but uh, playing Montreal, she's still going to have huge support. Man. Yeah, she's the only. Yeah, she's the only um, really Canadian woman that has a real good shot. I think Layla versus Bianca would be a lot of fun uh, for everyone in Montreal, and the crowd there would actually be on Layla's side, right? Because she's a Montrealer. She's from Laval. So, um, does she have a chance? Of course. But would I bet on her? God, no. Especially she's like the third favorite to do this. This is a huge two-month stretch for Bianca Andreescu. She's got to defend Rogers Cup, or sorry, National Bank Open points. Although she, the points she's defending are Rogers Cup points. Right, she's just now doing it at the National Bank Open, so I wasn't wrong. Yeah. Uh, then she's got to defend the U.S. Open points, and then she's got to defend Indian Wells points uh, in September. Is it September or October? I know it's coming up in the next month. Yeah. Or two. It's late October. It's like October twentieth. I think four thousand points coming up in the next few months for her to defend. That's a that's lot. True. Or was Toronto a nine hundred? No, we were a thousand. We were always a thousand. Uh, that's a lot of points for Bianca. There's going to be a lot of pressure. Um, I don't think she caves under pressure, really. I, I just don't know if she has the game right now to do it. Obviously, Simona Halep, like, are you really betting her in, in her first match back or first tournament back in a long time? Um, especially when she could have to play Danielle Collins in the second round, who's on absolute fire, albeit coming off a long week. And for those who are, you know, European or not from North America, San Jose to Montreal is a lot of travel. That is not a, okay, we're on the same continent, so it's like two, three hours. No, no, no. It's going to be it's multiple flights. Yeah, it's multiple flights, and it's going to be at least six hours um, in the air with 
another probably you know a couple hours in changeover or, or like uh transfers or whatever you call freaking flight layovers like it's not gonna be easy for her to get there they're obviously gonna play that tuesday there's no way she can play tomorrow no way that would just be completely um you know kind of douchebaggy by the tournament if they made her play on monday but even with tuesday even with the monday travel day like she's played a lot of tennis lately she she went deep in a couple european clay uh, events recently now she's into the uh deep into san jose and then that travel to montreal um i'm probably talking myself out of her outright here i was thinking like in this quarter she was one of the two people to look at um but i'm probably just going to go with what uh what you like here noops and i'll let you uh i'll let you talk about that i won't steal yeah, i will say i will say i mean i have picked Andreescu to win because I have to pick somebody to win. And as you've heard us talk about this, I mean, we like a lot of the players. It should be a fun draw, but I don't know if any of us feel strongly about one particular person winning this tournament. Right. But even at 13 to 1, and I was talking about it before the show, it's probably just a fear of missing out thing. But this might be the last time we get her in double digits in the stinking hardcore tournament. But, you know, we'll see how that goes. The woman that I did like, Jessica Pagula, I think has been under the radar. She had a great hard court season to start, uh, put up some really fantastic numbers, didn't necessarily win any tournaments, made some quarterfinals and semifinals against really strong fields. Then had an okay clay season, didn't do too much on grass. I think that people have kind of forgotten about her a little bit. And, you know, I bet her in this first round match against Contivate. I, I like her spot in the draw and at 50 to 1. I think she has an opportunity to beat Halep if she is there. And I think she will be competitive against Andreescu in that quarterfinal. And then once Andreescu is out, whether it be Pagula that beats her or somebody else, this this thing is wide open to me. What do you think, Spread? I think that's the only name you can back out of this quarter. Yeah, I, I talked myself out really of Collins. I agree. It yeah, really is. I agree. And I'll just go ahead and I'll just say why you're not going to back the other ones. Someone to help. It's her first tournament. Who knows how long? We don't know her health. And I just think that it's it's just crazy to think that someone's going to come back and do that. Danielle Collins. Uh, John was right. She won Palermo two weeks ago, took a week off, came to San Jose, and she's been grinding out here. A bunch of night matches. She'll be on the show court today. It's a hot day here. I know she does like the heat. I don't care. It's just still too much tennis. Uh, I even, I mean, Teichman might even be worth a look. Uh, Pagula, you nailed it on the head. You hit that. I'm in agreement with you. That's the bet you make. Uh, Pavlyuchenkova, I guess, if you don't want to go with Pagula, would be the other one I would look at. Owns, you know, we've talked about her so much this year about her. This is her potential breakthrough. Okay, I'm getting to the point where maybe, maybe we're not going to see it this year, okay? Maybe I was a little too high on her, so I'm not going to take Owns. We, we've talked her up constantly. Um, Petra got the game for it. The form is terrible, and then oh. she's going to be going against Dasha. Petra Martich, that is. She's going against Dasha, who's in the same situation. She's in San Jose today. They're not even, they haven't even uh, started the match yet. It starts in an hour, I believe, um, and then they're going to have to get over there. That's another fatigue fade, because if you watch Dasha matches, she never wins easy, right? She, she no. never has four 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 hit rallies right i mean they're all yeah. they're all grind they're all this and that take her off the list layla we love layla um <laughs> she's kind of undersized here and she's got some hitters in this quarter um yeah. i do think she's got great potential and she might even make a run here i'd love to see her i think she's got a chance to even upset andreescu if they play um but i just don't like her to come out of the whole quarter and then andreescu same deal it's just like uh we saw it with naomi for, for a player to come back off missing that much tennis, even if they look absolutely great in round one, which Naomi did, right? After round one, I said, wow. If she's, I mean, what does this mean for the hard courts if she can sit out for this long and then just come back and dominate? But then we saw in round two, right? Hey, it's a little different. Tournament-level tennis, tournament-level conditioning, uh, tournament-level mental preparation. 
you're away from it. And even like, uh, you know, I love to do, do myself as an analogy, right? I haven't been writing for a while. Got back into writing. My brain's kind of out of shape, right? It's a little <laughs> harder to stay on the writing. That's the same thing with, with the mental preparation on tennis. You can sit there and grind and grind and grind. When you haven't been doing it week in and week out, it gets a little bit tougher and it's a little easier to give up on yourself. So um, I, I think that you, I was going to say, no, don't, don't bet it out right out of this quarter at all, Noops. But you made a fantastic argument for Gula. And, and, and I'm with you. That's the way to go if you're going to make a bet out of this quarter. But if you say, I'm not going to bet out of this quarter, I think that's perfectly fine, too. Yeah. I think that's just about it, then. So my three outrights, Pagula, 50 or better. Mahova, 25 or better. Bedosa, 33 or better. John's joining me on Mahova and spread. What do you got? I got um, – uh, who was who the one in the top that we like? I'm with you. Bedosa. And then I like uh, Svitolina. There we go. It's fiddling. I, I'm gonna tail you. I'm gonna tail you on Pagula as well. Okay. I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna give it out. I'm not gonna make. But I do like your. I do like your reasoning, and I think it's I a very factual quarter. Yeah. So I do. I do like that. Two percent chance to win in a quarter where the two seeds with buys are like have huge question marks around them. I think that's a, that's a great play. Yeah, I would say they're worse than question marks. I would say we know that players don't come back in their first tournament and just dominate like they used to. I mean. I, I, I'm sure it would take a little research, and we should have done it in prep, but, but who's come back, you know, after a three-month layoff and won a tournament of this level? I mean, mm. just from watching tennis the last five years, I can't really think of it unless it was on the men's side and it was one of the big three. Yeah, I'd have to go back and do some research. But as I said before the show we were talking about, I'm going to keep back in Pagula at this number, given how good I think she has on hard courts until she mm. wins a tournament or they adjust the number. So this will be a theme for me. 50 to 1 or better on her looks pretty good. Let's get into some first-round matches. We have a few more here because the WTA decides to make their players play instead of giving everybody a ball. Um, <laughs> Dude, Bedosa, Brady and Wells in Miami both do this with the seeds as well, although they have larger draws. So I guess I, so I When we get that. there, I'll complain differently. Bedosa <laughs> minus 140 against Golubich plus 115. Minus 140, that's uh, right around 1.72, 1.73, I believe. Um, Galyevich, you know, 2.16. And this is something we talked about. I like Bedosa here from an outright perspective, but Galyevich has been playing some great tennis. And, you know, I think I'm just going to stick with the outright. I do sort of like Bedosa at this number, but I think it's going to be tough. I mean, what do you think here, Spread? Yeah, I actually was surprised that the number was so short. Um and it made me wonder. Golubich has been taking money too. Yeah, I'm like, am I underrating Golubich? That so I stayed away from it because I'm like, you know what? I need to watch this match because I think I lost fading Golubich in the last couple of weeks, and I'm not going to do it again. So let me watch. But my my initial thing looking at it was I thought that number was short. I thought it's going to be like minus one two twenty five. Hey, what do you think, John? Yeah, I I probably pass here. I do think. God, this is another reason why I didn't want the Bedosa outright, right? Is because like Golubich is very good. I think the the courts are a decent uh, pace for, and I think that look, I, if if but if, if sorry, if Golubich continues to take money, as you said, like if it's not the number we're looking at in our our spreadsheet where we kind of have the the, the matches we want to talk about posted, if it's not minus one forty one anymore, then I'll probably look to back Bedosa. Uh, I don't think it should be a, it's I don't think it's a 50-50. I think it's about right with with um, Bedosa being a slight favorite here. But Kalibich has been one of the better form players of 2021. The question is, has she done it at this level? I don't think so. So we'll see. Yeah. Next up, um, Coco Golf playing Anastasia Savastova. Golf minus 215. 
you know, 1.49, 1.48, kind of in that range. Anastasia Sevastova plus 175 or 2.75. It's a golf match. Sevastova's here too as an added bonus. Over, over 20 and a half, over 21, <laughs> over 21 and a half at plus money. I was able to get a 20 and a half this morning right around minus 112. I think 20 and a half is still in the range of like minus 120 most places. I'm fine. You know, just go with a 21 if you're afraid of the juice here. I'm looking at 21 minus 110 right now. That's fine. 21 and a half. I try to avoid. We're not on grass anymore, folks. But 21 and a half at plus money or something like that's fine. What do you guys think? Do you have a side here? No. I mean, I'd lean, I'd lean Anastasia, it. but I, I, plus 175 feels about right um, in terms of how often she wins this match. That's kind of what I was thinking. It's. I'm excited to watch Coco Goff, and she's somebody that I don't really bet against anymore because she just keeps getting so much better every time we see her. So we'll see. But I think Sebastian will be competitive. So I'll stick with my Goff overs there. Now spread, Camilla Georgie, plus 150 or 2.5 against Elise Mertens. Mertens minus 190, um, right around 1.52 or so, 1.53. I assume we've got a fatigue fade here. You back in the Italian spread? Yeah, I was thinking about going for the dog here. But here, here's my thing. Elise seems to beat these, um, these type of players. I, I, I do like the matchup for her. I think that she can coax the errors out of Georgie. So I want to talk to you guys about it before I place the bet. But Elise has been playing a lot of tennis lately. What do you guys think? I, I think that, like, red line Georgie is someone that could trouble her, is the, is the type of player that beats her. And regular Georgie is someone that Elise just her consistency handles yeah, in routine like, fashion. So, like, I would, I, I have a lease on the outright market. I'm not looking to double down in a match that involves Camilla Georgie. What about maybe the under the then? Because <laughs> uh, Georgie either smokes or gets smoked. Yeah, uh, there's but no I also chance feel like... of a tiebreaker. You're gonna, you might have okay. a seven six seven five kind of set. Yeah, I and mean, you might get seven five six two or something goofy like that. But and, and this what is about a stay like, away from me. And what about Georgie? Like sometimes, like her and Ostapenko can both redline within a set too. Right. Sometimes it doesn't last the whole match. And if, like Noop said, if 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 this goes, you know, um, to a, it could be it could be a straight sets win, but you could see it be like you know six three, and then that second set or to Mertens, and the second set Georgie races out to a five two lead and then blows five games in a row. And that twelve <laughs> game set kind of screws you. So, All right. yeah, I I'd probably stay away from that. I I I'm gonna pass because again I have the Mertens out. Right. I do believe she wins this match. She's a deserved favorite. Uh, nearing minus 200 seems honestly it seems about right i think she wins as easily yeah. two-thirds of the time so everything makes sense in terms of um in terms of how this looks for me yeah, i need a better number if i'm playing georgie roulette yeah. georgie kind roulette. of the way it feels i mean i'm not really backing her unless she's like two to one or something it's just there's too much inconsistency now we talked about mitch pagula here i actually played this at a worse number pagula uh minus 115 or 1.87 contivate minus 105 or 1.95 I saw a Pagula minus 140 at open and felt really, really happy to bet that. Um, wow. Probably going to add some more at minus 115, but I've got the outright already. Who knows? I mean, what do, you, what do you think of this, John? I mean, should this be lined so closely? It's not that Contivate's been world-beating. Right, and that's the issue is Contivate has not really played uh, up to snuff um, to her capabilities lately. I get why it's lined this way. I mean, she is super talented, has a very well-rounded game, and is a, a very you know high-quality player. But I, I think that I'm going to look at this line and say thank you very much to the market and to the draw makers for giving us um, this match in the first round. Kind of really made Pagula the price she is in the outright market, right? So I'll just happily take that that outright price and and move on. Anything to add there, Spread? I'm betting it. I got minus 119 right now. That's a great price. I'm on Pagula. I'm going to look at some other stuff, maybe like a Pagula 2-0 as an ad or something like that. Generally, when I add, I try to look for a derivative, but 
We'll see yeah. how that goes. The outright Makes might sense. be plenty for me. Cooter Monster, minus 140, right around 1.73 or so. Putin Save a plus 112 or 2.12. Putin Save has been playing some nice tennis. These are a little bit slower conditions, which could be better for her. Cooter Matova not playing great tennis. So, you know, she's someone that we generally like to back. I stayed away from her. This looks just about right to me. I mean, what do you think, John? Yeah, I, I'm a, I, you guys know how much I love Yulia Putinseva. You guys also know how much I've loved betting Veronica Kudermatova over the years. So um, both emotionally and in terms of numbers and, and math-wise, I'm, I'm going to stay away from this one. Putinseva's been in good form, but we like to back her as a dog, but not a short dog, right? Usually in the plus 140 to 50 range is where I think I find the most value um, with her matches, and I'm, it's a little short for me at this price. What do you think here, Spread? Do you have a side? Yes, I do. Um, Did you forget what Putin it was? Seva. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. I was trying to look at the number. Give me Putin Seva here, though. I was really impressed with the way that she played uh, this week in San Jose, and I think she gets plenty of time to rest. She comes in well. Kuda Mertova, um, obviously, when she plays her best, uh, can beat her. But I really like the matchup here for Putin Seva as well, um, the way she's playing. Uh, she looks in great uh, – physical form as far as just being in shape. She doesn't look like she's fatiguing even in these longer matches, even out in the heat of San Jose. Um, she was out there fired up, being fiery. Kuder Matova, to me, haven't been as impressed um, with what I've seen over recently. So this is simply a form play. I like the way Putin Seva played last week. I'm going to go ahead and better. Yeah, I, th I think it's Putin Seva probably or pass, but I'm going to pass. Um, the next match, and this one's kind of interesting, uh, Magda Lynette minus 155 right around 1.65 against Nadia Podoroska. Podoroska plus 125 or 2.25. And you guys know how much we love Podoroska. And when she's playing well, she can absolutely crush some of these players. But somebody like Lynette, has, who's been having a really solid hardcore season and who doesn't really do anything poorly, and actually I think has a little bit of an underrated serve as I start to go back and look at some numbers here. I mean, that kind of consistency I think is going to be a nightmare for Podoroska. So I was able to get Lynette when she opened it at a much better number than this. But – you know, I don't hate the idea of playing her like at minus 140 or better. What do you think, John? Yeah. The only thing I want to do with this match is put it into a rocket ship and launch it into space. <laughs> do you have anything to add, Spread? Yeah, I'm with you. I was really impressed with the way the Lynette's playing. And I think that this is a great bet that you're making. I think this is form versus talent. Podoroska is getting a nice, you know, it's not overwhelming because she's the more talented player. Lynette's playing much better right now. Give me the informed player. Maybe I'm taking too much from the fact that all I did this week was watch every single match in San Jose. But, uh, you know, so the players that played well in San Jose, I'm going to be high on. But, you know, we, we do this a lot here when we're handicapping the women's game and we ride players that maybe aren't as talented. We ride them on their hot streaks for three or four weeks. Just like with Putin Seva, I think I'm getting another hot streak here. And unlike, like, say, Danielle and Dasha, who obviously were playing even better, I don't think we get the fatigue because they lost a couple of days ago. Now they get right. to Montreal. They get acclimated. They get some time on the actual courts they're going to be playing in, switch time zones. So um, these are the perfect players I love that look good, lost in the quarters, got some time. So uh, I'm with you here. I think Lynette's a great play. Now you mentioned Kasatkina. She's next up here on our list, almost out to minus 300 or 1.33 against Martich. Martich plus 235 or 3.35 here. It's tough to back Kasakina off a long week, but man, Marnich has stunk. I mean, even at such a big number, she just has been really underwhelming this year and even honestly last year on hard courts. I mean, what are you thinking here, Spread? Are you worried about your girl off a long week? Yes. Hold your nose and play and play the dog. It sucks. 
It sucks. Don't watch any of Petra's tape last week. Just don't watch it. Just skip right well, on by. Do don't watch her tape this year. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I mean, no, this is literally a earlier. Yeah, this yeah. is just a pure fatigue fade. You know, I was wrong. They don't even start till 4 p.m. our time, 7 p.m. your time for this final tonight. And if you watch Josh's matches this week, she has been grinding, grinding, grinding. I know it sucks, but I think this should be like plus yeah, she made that. Tops. She made that like that match a lot, a lot harder than it needed to be. She was up a set and break and needed three sets to do it and didn't yeah. cover the number from a set and break up. So yeah. screw you. Um, but no, I, I love her. She's actually one of my, she really has grown on me with the way her serve has come along this year. Her mm -hmm. hold percentage is higher this year than it's been since 2016. Um, we saw a lot of success in the early hardcore season. Uh, I, I do think she's really solid. I wouldn't bet her here at this number. Um, and I will look to fatigue fade. I'm not sure Marty is a person to do it with. Although if she does win, spread's going to have a nice plus money ticket. And I'm going to be really pissed off that I don't get the chance to fade her. So, I mean, <laughs> I get it. There's a FOMO part of it. It's like, yeah, I really do want to take the fatigue fade now. But, you know, my head says just wait around. And if it doesn't come, you don't lose any money. You just don't get a chance to win. Right. Uh, spread's other favorite player, Miss Ostapenko, right around minus 190 or you know, the 1.52 or so range against Katarina Siniakova, plus 154, almost plus 155 or 2.55. I think this is kind of similar to the Mertens-Georgie match where, you know, not that Ostapenko's fatigued, but if I'm playing Siniakova roulette, I need a better number than this. I mean, what do you think, Spread? I mean, if you're going to bet it, it's fairly easy handicap. There are two players you always <laughs> fade them as favorites, bet them as dogs. <laughs> you just bet the dog. But I, I'm not... But I'm not going to do it here. I wonder if you just pick someone and bet them 2-1. Set-unders are sneaky good. Set-unders in this match could be really fun. Like, I could I could see a three-set-under in this match. I could totally see a 6-1-1, 6-6-1. Either way. Either way. Who knows? This is easily the match of two players who... Uh, the only one that would come close to... I have no idea what the hell is going to happen in this match. More than this, <laughs> these two would yeah. maybe be Camilla Georgie against either of these two. Would would yeah. be another sneaky, <laughs> like who knows what the hell will happen. Could be two sets, yeah. could be three. Every set could go under, every set could go over. Either player could win. Like th that's this match. It quite. I mean, you could go Siniakova two one at five to one. The over two Ooh. and a half sets is plus one fifty five. Oh, Why should just take the number. two ones on, on both sides? I'll just take the plus one fifty five. The mass a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Just take the market of over two and a half sets either way. But okay. yeah, it's it is a a really odd um, match between these two. And I agree with you. I'm like, I really want to bet the underdog here, but I feel like I'd want a minus. Or, sorry, a plus one seventy, plus one eighty to bet Sinyakova in this spot. And I'm only the plus one fifty five. I'll probably hold out. But yeah, if it gets any more excessive than that, it's like, look, these two are both super talented and super inconsistent. One player cannot be a heavy favorite in this match. You cannot have huh? either player as a heavy favorite. You can't. If if you bet this match, your sports book should just send you the one eight hundred gambler number, like right after you. <laughs> like I we've disagree. accepted your number, but maybe you should give give these guys a call. Well, if you're if you're putting like um, <laughs> a sports book, that would be eh? what yeah. a stupid one. Um, if we're being honest and savage, uh, uh, terrible oh business God. model. But if you're betting like four different things on on this match, uh, I mean, I get it. Like, I but at the same time, so I shouldn't we, bet under twenty one and over two and a half sets. We, yeah, <laughs> we make I make fun of this as like this is a match you should stay away from, and then I'm like I'm tempted by the set unders. I'm tempted yeah. by the dog money line. I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, and there's no way this isn't going to be on my TV. 
Like I don't right, care. Right? It's gonna oh, be and, watch this. and whoever does those GIF accounts, and I don't know even know if they're still getting taken down, but it's got the potential to have like ten or twelve different GIFs, yes. and it could be a, a, a two set match. It could be. It could be a great shot. It could be a racket smash. Like you could get racket smash gifts out of this. Yeah. You could get like a player going like this to themselves and yeah. throwing their hands around. Both of these do. Both of these women do that as well. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, I'm lucky that finally I don't have to rely on WT TV or just Tennis Channel. Um. Rogers, this is like so. The way the TV rights work here is TSN, which is like our ESPN part owned by ESPN, has all the tennis rights, pretty much Grand Slams, Masters, and 500s, uh, both sides, except this one event. Because it's sponsored by Rogers and they're such a huge sponsor, they get to broadcast this one event a year. And they have three or four channels. So you get to watch different matches, which is nice. The only downside is their coverage sucks because, again, they only broadcast one tournament a year. And so it's like watching ESPN for tennis minus having former pros do the commentary. So you've got all these people who are just broadcasters that cram for one week of tennis and then literally don't watch it outside of like Carolyn Cameron. And she she only knows the big stuff anyway. Like no one watches at Rogers, so like it, it's nice to have the more variety that I'll get both on men's and women's side. Uh, but the commentary from Sportsnet, who I used to work for, full disclosure, absolutely awful. Rybakina minus three ten, or right around one point three against Samsonova plus two forty five. Rybakina did finish fourth at the Olympics. Was a little fatigued in San Jose. Lost in her second match there. And we haven't seen Samson over really play since kind of ripping through grass season. Yes, she played Palermo, but one match and kind of got out of there pretty quickly. I'm taking Samson over here. Rabakina's been playing a lot of tennis. I don't know what the fatigue is going to be like for her, but I think this is really disrespectful to have Samson over at the plus 250 almost or 3.5. So I played the money line there, and then I got the game spread this morning of four and a half. Um, I think it's at four right now. That sounds fine too. I mean, John, do you have any reason why Rybakina would be out this far? I mean, it's not like no. Samson Oval played poorly on hard courts. And it's not like her game doesn't profile well to hard courts. And it's also not like her game doesn't match up with Rybakina's game, right? Like, think about this in a way. These are both two players who, I think they're, they're both tall. They both have huge serves, huge forehands. Both can get erratic. And Samsonova moves better. Look, Rubakan is way more established and has more firepower than Samsonova does. Although, like, again, not by a whole lot. Very similar players. I'm not exactly understanding why one is, you know, under 30% chance to win. Are you telling me that Sam Sudova doesn't win this match 30% of the time? Because isn't that what we're implying at 3.45 right. here? Like, yeah, no, I'm totally with you. I didn't even notice that number because when we were going down the list, uh, I only went to X off ones that you guys hadn't already done. So I didn't even look at this. And I'm now seeing it. And I'm like, holy mackerel. That is absolutely bonkers to me that it's over. That's 28 Point or 28.98, so 29% of the time. Really? That seems off. And that's with the vague, right? That's with, that's like, that's not even vague free implied bronze. Yeah, right. Like, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, no, I'll be with you on that. What do you think, Spray? Did you get to watch some Rybikina? I know you were big in the San Jose last week. Yeah. I, and I mean, how did uh, Claire Lou almost beat her? I mean, that was wild. I mean, I've been writing off Claire Lou. Maybe I need to reevaluate that. This number is here for this reason. Samson Jose has played once since Wimbledon, and it was a yeah. loss in Palermo. And then you have uh, Rybikina, who many people won a lot of money on uh, backing in the Olympics here. So uh, it makes sense that you have one player that's been active, cashing tickets for betters, right? So you feel good. You know, it's 
uh, I took the Pavlovian response, right? I, I, I hit Rybikina. I got money in my account. I hit Rybikina. I got money in my account. I want to keep hitting Rybikina. It makes sense that that the public is backing Rybikina. You guys are on the right side here. Uh, it's Samsonova or pass for me. I am going to pass um, just because I don't want to get in front of the steamroller than Rybikina. But th even if you bet Rybikina and you win, you didn't make a good bet. Well, see, and that's 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 the thing too is like this all comes down to how you approach it. Are you just having fun with it, and you're just trying to predict outcomes? Because yeah, is Rabakina a deserved favorite? Of course she is. Like that's not what we're trying to like. That's not what Noobs right. are trying to say, right? We're we're trying to put it in the in the context of should she be a seventy percent or sorry because the Vegas in here she won't be quite at seventy, but um, should Samsonova be at thirty percent? Therefore, implying again, let Rabakina win seventy percent of the time. That's a that's a lot. If you play this match a thousand times, you think one player wins 700 of them? I don't know. I think that this is a little too far out for my liking. Um, I'm going to look at plus one and a half sets here too. Because if you consider it, when you get over $3, that's when I start to consider plus one and a half sets. It's um, not quite – the plus one and a half sets market wasn't quite at plus money or greater than 2.0 yet. Okay. And I figured I took the four and a half. So when I was looking at it earlier, plus one and a half sets was uh, minus 105 or $1.95. And plus four yeah. and a half was minus 115. So – that's but that's I, I generally don't like to pay juice on plus one and a half sets. Like I won't go to like minus one thirty. Right. Exactly. I'd rather just take like like two dollars eighty cents, right, on the money line. If you're gonna get a set, you're in a you're you're basically what you're saying is you're in a 50-50 proposition. I'll whine about losing in three sets because the last 207 bets I've had that have gone three sets, I'm hitting at 30%. When you consider how crazy that is to be in a 50-50 proposition and then only win 30% of the time. But again, it's like I'd rather just take the the high money line and be in a 50 50 contest than pay juice to get the one and a half sets um but in this spot it's dollar 97 now that's totally acceptable too like yeah. 50 50 she wins a set i mean <laughs> i'd be closer to saying this match is 50 to 50 for a win outright than just win a set um so we'll see but i think i'll probably be playing both of those markets in this spot and now we have the match of the first round john wanted to talk about shui zhang versus joe Conta. I have nothing to say. I, this, this, I would launch this one into the sun. This is the match that I would cross off and, and move on from. I don't care I don't, at all what happens at any point during this. <laughs> at no point, where what's that quote? At no point, no from whatever point you said, where did anyone approaching, yeah. approaching yeah. an answer? That's, a, <laughs> that's what I heard. All dumber for having listened to you. May God help exactly. you. Exactly. Look, I mean. Zhang Shui likes her hard court. She likes quicker conditions, which isn't the greatest thing here. But Joe Conta is, what has she done in ages? She's been hurt, right? Like, uh, or she got scratched from Wimbledon, not because she was hurt, but because there was someone in her team within a bubble that had COVID or whatever. Yeah, she had a COVID uh, issue. She won Nottingham outside of that, where she beat, actually, she crushed. And this is why the number is the way that it is, is because she absolutely crushed uh, Zhang in that final. But if you think this is going to replay a 6-2-6-1, I mean, <laughs> then I would bet um, as many alt-unders alt as you can because you're going to get a huge price for that kind of to reoccur. Look, I, I think maybe she has her number. Maybe there's something in their games. I might have to, to go more in depth in terms of why it's 6-1 in the head-to-head -head, um, if there's like a stylistic problem there. But all things considered on a hard court, I think this is a pretty 50-50 match, um, even if in the past it has not been. And it's not been relatively close in the past. I'm, I'm not looking at these score lines. And I'm like, maybe this is a spot, you know, those rare spots, the 10% of the time where head-to-head -head matters. Uh, I'm starting nope. to wonder if maybe nope. this is it's one of not, them. It's not. It's not. Let me jump in. Zhang hasn't won more than four games in a set. Okay, in so last Wimbledon, right? We, we expect that result, right? Conta at home, on her best surface. Shri Zhang doesn't like doesn't like. 
grass. Okay. Well, Throw she that likes one quicker out. surfaces, but still, yeah. But still, it's it's different than it's like you talk about before. Slow hardcore is not clay, right? A slow right. hardcore is not clay. It's true. Um, then let's go back to 2016 and let's look at the level that content was playing them. It's very similar to the level she's at now, right? Around 30 in the world, right? Shrizen yeah, was nothing back then. So basically, she beat up on her when she was like an ITF player trying to make a name, getting a bunch of wild cards in into Asian Swing tournaments. Now, Spread has assumed the role of, of me here. <laughs> well, I mean, we've talked about it like four to five years this now. It's all gonna, it's all gonna like come it. in, right? I love it. So, I, I, I just, I'm on Zang here. I think this is a fan. I think this is a gift, and that's the only reason I don't want to throw this match out, noobs, so I can make some money off it. I think this match is a gift. G- give yeah. me Shui Zang. Like I said, I'm sure. not, I'm not the biggest head-to-head guy, but if you, if you do like it, you're gonna be really put off by um, backing Zhang. And if you like head-to-head and it is a, a core part of your handicap, then you will be laying games here because it has not been particularly close. But again, five years ago, not so relevant. Kanta has only played Nottingham. Kind of got scrubbed from Wimbledon. Hasn't played since. I'm not sure why. Uh, it'd be intrigued to hear as to why that's the case. But yeah, I don't think she I, wanted to deal with the Olympic travel. I think she just wanted to get ready for this. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if that's the case. And there haven't been a, a ton of hardcourt tournaments for her to play, right? Because they went back to clay for a while, um, almost exclusively uh, until recently. I think Concord this week is on hards, obviously, in the States. But uh, yeah, I think that there's certainly um, concerns about her not having played since that Nottingham title. Uh, which is really unfortunate. That's probably the most unfortunate story about Wimbledon in terms of storylines outside of on on the court was her not getting the chance to to follow up that Nottingham title. The only reason why she right. played there was probably to get ready for that tournament. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think this is pretty 50-50 despite the head-to-head past uh, between these two players. Zhang Shui likes hard courts. She likes them quicker, but again, back on hard courts. Uh, Kant hasn't played in a while. Zhang has been in decent, like half decent form too, right? Like, you know, the loss in three sets to Kanyu is nothing to be ashamed of. Not the greatest end to that match. Maybe there was an injury picked up there. I'm going to have to go do some tape study on that. But me- beating Madison Keys and routining Emiratu Kanu, who is, of course, the darling of Wimbledon. Um, she made a semi on clay in Palermo. Decent results for Zhang Shuai going back like to that Nottingham, aforementioned Nottingham event where she made the final. Like She's been mm-hmm. in better form than she was to start the year, which was understandable because she's one of those players who didn't play for like a year and a half mm-hmm. uh, with the COVID stuff happening. So I, I don't. I, I think this is pretty 50-50 despite the, the history between these two. Yeah, that was a lot more than I really wanted to hear about that, but good luck, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you're the host. Fantastic work there. I was looking at some other stuff. I read some email while you guys were doing that. It was very productive. Um, That's it, folks. He just flipped Bitcoin at a 5% profit during that breakdown. Just getting some other stuff done. Got a couple hands of pie gal in. It's been a bit of fun. All right, everybody. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Please give us a like, a thumbs up, a rating, a review, whatever you can do. We appreciate it, and we'll be back next week to talk more tennis it's north american hardcore season folks let's get fun let's hope dasha wins san jose good luck